I did something this week that I rarely do. Watched and then studied some high school tape. You know, generally, I'm just not that interested in what you do in high school. Get to Oklahoma, put your play on film, then I'll render a verdict on your abilities. But for the purpose of this podcast, I sat down on Monday and took a look at Spencer Rattler's high school highlights. And let's just say, I get it. While Jalen Hurts is the present of OU football at the quarterback position, Spencer Rattler is certainly the future. In those five to six minutes of video I watched of Rattler and then rewatched, I saw a quarterback with smooth mechanics, steady feet, a good, not great arm, but an arm that delivered the football to the proper spots. Speaking of his delivery, it's effortless. Rattler sets his feet and throws from a sturdy base, getting the ball out quick when necessary. He's also very good at ad-libbing. For example, one play, his protection breaks down within about a second and a half. So Rattler rolls out of the pocket to his right. But a D lineman and safety are ready for him and have him dead to rights. By the end of the play, Rattler's made four players miss before he collects himself and dumps the ball to his running back for a positive gain. Rattler seems to be a player who keeps his eyes downfield when the pocket gets muddy or he's forced to leave the pocket, a trait that we've seen from Baker Mayfield and also Kyler Murray while playing in Lincoln Riley's system. I also saw a few off-platform throws from Rattler where he made accurate passes on the run to his right and to his left. I mentioned his arm strength earlier, and again, from my perspective, it's good, not great. For example, there were three to four throws that I'm not so sure would have been completed in the college game because the ball hung a little bit. However, Rattler completed a nine route down the field where the ball traveled 55 yards in the air. Yeah, I'm not concerned at all with the guy's arm. Consider this a nitpick because what I saw on film, for the most part, looks so good. I saw Rattler execute a successful back shoulder throw for a touchdown, a throw that's not as easy as it looks. I saw Rattler throwing a touchdown on an RPO near the goal line. I saw him recognize one of his big-bodied receivers had a size advantage on the defensive back and put the ball up high where only his teammate could catch it. These are all attributes of a kid who's a natural. Thankfully, there wasn't very many plays where he was running around and then scrambling. But when he did have to do that, Rattler looked like an athlete with speed, not Kyler Murray's level of speed, but certainly above what Baker Mayfield provided in that category. Now, I have no idea if Rattler is able to read coverages or look off defensive backs on a regular basis. That's not something that comes across on a five to six minute highlight tape. But those are attributes that will be learned and then fine tuned with Lincoln Riley coaching them up. About a year ago, I remember randomly throwing on Trevor Lawrence's high school tape. I thought it looked fine. I mean, sure, he looked like a good quarterback, but can't miss number one player in the nation? Well, turns out, yeah, Trevor Lawrence is pretty good and will likely only get better. After watching Rattler's high school video, I'm much more impressed by what I saw compared to Lawrence. Lawrence's arm strength, better. Everything else on the checklist, Rattler or a tie. 2019 will belong to Jalen Hurts, and after that, I'm ready for Rattler. I'm Lee Benson. This is West of Everest. Second down and nine. Aikman on the key. Now he pitches out. Lots of running room for Collins at the 25. Cuts it up. He could score. Touchdown, Oklahoma. Former OU running back Patrick Collins welcomes us into this edition of West of Everest. His 45-yard touchdown run against Texas back in 1985 was the eventual winning score. OU won the game. 
14 to 7 over the Sooners' biggest rivals. Hey everyone, once again, I am Lee Benson. Grant will join me in a second. And I'll admit, a little bit of a rushed podcast today. At least that's what I'm thinking at the moment. We'll see how it plays out. It's Wednesday evening. I went to Lincoln Riley's presser this afternoon. I cut a package for our 10 o'clock newscast tonight on News 9 here in Oklahoma City. Then I threw together some sound bites from Riley's presser for this podcast. And well, now we're here. So we'll talk all about the presser. Uh, And then I'm sure we'll get into the discussion about Charlie Casserly's recent comments this week about Kyler Murray and what Casserly heard about Murray at the NFL scouting combine. So we'll save that for later in the show. So before I bring Grant in, I want to talk a little bit about the intro today and the guy, Patrick Collins. I had never heard of him before until until earlier this week when I was trying to find a former Sooner who wore number 33 because it's March and we're featuring Sooners now that wore 33. I found Collins and I thought he looked awesome in his highlight video. And that, I mean, that's what highlight videos are supposed to do. I found it on YouTube, but still, he looked really good. He has pretty darn good stats. I looked up all throughout all of his years. I put that link to his YouTube video, that YouTube highlight on the West of Evers Facebook page. So some of you may have seen it. And I asked any of you if you thought that Collins looked like any other Sooners, any other former Sooner running backs. And we got a few replies on Facebook, which I'll get to in a second. But to me, I thought Collins looked like Quentin Griffin, just not not as big. I mean, Collins isn't a big guy, I mean, but Q was definitely a smaller guy. But just the way they ran, I mean, smooth, just quick cuts, just blazing fast speed. I think Collins might have even been faster than Q. But just, just his gait, the way he ran the ball, to me, kind of looked like Quentin Griffin. So, Grant, I'm just wondering, first of all, welcome to the show, and second, you watched that video. Did any other Sooner running backs jump out at you when you watched Collins run? I didn't get much of Quentin Griffin from him, to be totally honest with you. Uh, Q was more of a darter. I didn't. I didn't see that from Collins. Collins to me looked more just like a like a pure, just sort of rangy athlete. And I know he wasn't that big, but he's just like a good athlete. I, I'd say if I had to, I don't know if I had to compare him to anybody at OU that I'm familiar with. So that would be basically from 1999 on. Uh, I, I'd say he's closest to Demarco Murray and Joe Mixon, but. I mean, I'm not. I'm not calling Patrick Collins those guys, but if I had to, if I had to pick a, you know, some guy he looked like, it'd be that. I don't. I, I don't agree about Quentin Griffin, but oh well. You know, I just I thought that you know comparing him to the, some of those other guys was just too easy. And then there's a couple plays where just the way he kind of glided in and out and cut in and out of certain runs, it just reminded me of of Quentin Griffin. Yeah. And, that- and yeah. the way he glides, that reminds me more of DeMarco Murray because he is like I, DeMarco Murray, I think, is the best example of somebody who literally looks like he's gliding when he's running. You know how you know how um, how players used to look on the old like Madden games on PlayStation 2 where it looked like they didn't wear cleats. They were just sort of skating on ice. That's how DeMarco Murray looked like when he ran. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, and I don't know if you looked at the West of Evers Facebook page before you came on here, but a few of the comments from some of the listeners, a couple of the players you mentioned are mentioned in the comments. So we'll start with Sydney. He, uh, Sydney says he reminds me a little bit of Joe Mixon. And Warren mentioned uh, DeMarco Murray, so two of the guys you mentioned. And then Greg says that he thought Collins looked like DeMond Parker. And DeMond Parker is a player that I don't know a whole lot about. I think he was in the nineties, a player yeah, in the late nineties. You know, he was, uh, I believe, his last right season. Stoops got there. Uh, yes, I believe his last season was ninety-eight, if I am not mistaken. So I'll have to go back there, go back and, and check out some more Demond Parker 
clips. But anyways, I just just if you haven't seen the video, go on to the West of Everest Facebook page. Check it out. What do you think? Uh, you know, for whatever reason, it looked like Quentin Griffin to me. But anyways, I'd never heard of the guy, and he looked like a really good player. And again, the numbers at OU were really good, and he was part of a national championship team. So thank you, Patrick Collins, for providing our intro today. All right, so let's talk about the Lincoln-Riley press conference. He opened up spring ball effectively on Wednesday afternoon with that presser. OU's first practice is on Thursday afternoon, so by the time you're listening to this podcast, it's the day of, since this podcast will come out on Thursday this week. So apologies for the delay, but we figured we'd get in Lincoln-Riley's press conference before we recorded the podcast this week. And actually, we're going to get a chance to shoot the first 20 minutes of practice on Thursday, so I'm hoping to be out there and get a look at Jalen Hurts for the first time as a Sooner, so that'll be interesting. And also, of course, Alex Grinch out there coordinating the defense for the first time as a Sooner. So, Grant, as far as Riley's presser goes, though, not a whole lot of groundbreaking stuff there, to be honest uh, with you. The, the biggest, I guess, news of the presser, and I'll start with this, the players that are going to be out this spring with injury, and there's three or four pretty big names on this list and, and a couple others. The biggest name on the list is Creed Humphrey. So Creed Humphrey will miss the spring due to an injury. Robert Barnes will also miss the spring. Jalen Redmond will miss the spring. Jordan Parker, Starlin Baldwin, and then Michael Anderson, a young running back in. So those six players are going to miss the spring, but Lincoln Riley did say that there was nothing serious and that he expects all of them back soon. So Grant, we'll start here with the players out for spring Obviously, Creed Humphrey missing time. You know, that's never good to miss time. But uh, you're, do you have any initial thoughts on when you heard these guys are going to be out and miss spring ball? Um, the one that actually caught my eye the mostly was Jordan Parker. Uh, you can pretty much write him off. I think his career's done. He's he's done. Um, <laughs> that's pretty just, harsh. Yeah. I, I just, I mean, he's, this is, this is like the third straight year he's missing spring ball. Uh, he's, this, he's a walking injury. He's done. Yeah. He missed spring ball last year because of the, the Achilles uh, recovery. Yeah, I don't. Achilles think or ACL? I can't. I can't uh, it was an ACL. He tore his ACL, ACL in the yeah, first okay, game. So. Yeah, if it was if it was an Achilles, it'd probably be even even worse. It, than was, it was. Um, who had the Achilles? Um, the Achilles was Basquin. Was there another guy? That, another defensive back that had Achilles? I, oh yeah, Chance Sylvie. Sylvie, yeah. He's blanking on me there. Okay. Yeah, that's not good for Jordan Parker. I I agree. Chance Sylvie uh, not missing spring practice. I was gonna say. I mean, that's like. You know, I, that's that's not good for Jordan Parker. Like I, which is too bad. You know, a really uh, a freshman season where he came in and sort of like kind of stemmed the tide a little bit. Um, that season when when the secondary was getting kind of was getting shellacked over and over again, he kind of came in and, and provided a little bit of stability. And then he just hasn't been able to stay healthy whatsoever, which is which is too bad. And he's a guy who I think when he's been in there, he's I mean, he's been pretty good. So uh, it's just too bad. Where I I just. The guy's always injured. There's, I, I just with, with with such a crowded defensive back room, I, I it's hard for me to see him coming out of it unless he just, you know, unless he just really takes to the new scheme and does a really good job during during summer practice or fall practice. And of course, the name on the list that irks me, considering our last podcast or two podcasts ago, everything's running together to me now, is Robert Barnes because I had a lot of faith in Robert Barnes potentially being that nickelback. And he's not going to be there for the spring. So he'll be behind in the new Alex Grinch defense. So that irks me. Barnes' uh, injury history is long as well, going back to high school. And he did play a good amount last season. But the season before, though, he had plenty of injuries. So that's not a good sign that Barnes is, again, he's not going to be there for, 
for spring. So that's that's uh, kind of depressing a little bit. And uh, you know, Jalen Redmond not being available that's that's tough. Or you know, his health issues are blood clot related. And you know, we talked to a couple of podcasts ago. Yeah, I just have a feeling that he's not going to be there. But later on, though, in the presser. Riley also mentioned that Redmond's a guy when he was talking about the defensive line, just about how players are. We can talk about this in a little bit, just how they're trying to to lighten players up a little bit to get them a little quicker and faster. He mentioned Jalen Redmond by name, so I don't know if that means anything, but uh, Redmond's name came up later on talking about the defensive linemen who are maybe being asked to shed a few pounds here and there, so... Other than that, uh, Creed Humphrey missing time. Riley was asked about Humphrey. I didn't pull the clip because I didn't think it was that interesting, but essentially Riley said that, hey, with Humphrey out, that could actually be a good thing for the offensive line because it'll make it a little more difficult on them and they'll face a little bit of adversity without the one starter returning because you know Creed Humphrey had a great season. He, he's experienced now for one year, so – no reason, no reason to worry about him, but Riley said that it could be a good thing that the other players will have a chance to kind of figure things out on their own without one of their their best players coming back. So, you know, we'll I see if, who, that, um, if that's a thing. I wonder who plays center in his stead. I don't – there's not another yeah, center on the up. roster, right? Like I – well, right. besides, I, I, think, I think the plan is, is most likely to put EJ and Doma Ogar at center, but he's not, he's not showing up until the summer, so – um. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see who who takes you know most of the snaps at center because that presumably will be his backup. You would think. Yeah, that's a good call. Uh, but also, I, I, had, I had one more thought on another person on the list. Um, I talked about Jordan Parker, but I you can pretty much write off Starlin Baldwin um, at this program. I, I think as well. He got he he tore his ACL during spring last year, and he's going to miss spring this year. Um, and all, like I like I said with Parker, already a crowded room of defensive backs. I, I don't Starlin Baldwin is not is not going to be a factor in this program, um, unless unless of course he's just the second coming and he hasn't you know been able to get on the field because of injuries. But um, I don't I don't particularly anticipate that. Lee, that would mean um, with um, and we'll talk about this later on in the pod with Michael Thompson moving to the offensive line, um, as well as Ron Tatum moving on from the program. Um, Starlin Baldwin, who was another four-star member of that recruiting class, and I know I'm speculating wildly here, but uh, that 2017 defensive recruiting class kind of falling apart for the most part, sort of. I'd have to take a look at it to see all the different players in the defense. I mean, definitely, ha- definitely half of, of that defensive line. I mean, what if what if what if you're right? Uh, what if your your feelings are right? And Jalen Redmond never, you know, really is a is a factor at Oklahoma. I mean, that's that's three fourths of of one of the best defensive line classes in the country that season to just didn't do anything at Oklahoma. Can't have that. Cannot that sound have good. that. Doesn't sound good at all. You mentioned the position changes, and this is something that, you know, again, I didn't know about, and I was pretty much alerted to a, f- a few weeks ago on the podcast from some of our listeners doing a Facebook Live about Michael Thompson switching positions, and there was rumors that he was switching positions weeks ago, but now it has been formally confirmed Lincoln Riley saying that Michael Thompson will switch from defensive line to the offensive line so that's a big uh, position switch and the other one there's a couple of them but two of them stood out that one and the other one that stood out kind of a bit to me and probably to you too Grant is Braden Willis yep that was the biggest rangy tight end type player he's switching to H-back and so he'll give Jeremiah Hall some some competition there saw that one that's a big old tall H-back that's big that's big that's a that guy he's gonna be good man He's going to be really good. 
I remember, I think I told this on the podcast when it happened, but it would have been last fall before the season began. And I want to say it was Gabe Eichard, who's on the franchise in Oklahoma City, the radio station. And I was listening to that station one day, and I think it was Gabe, and he gets a chance to go to practice, actually, more than the normal media, because I would assume he gets special privileges for being a former player, which makes sense. And I remember him talking about Braden Willis and saying that he reminded him a lot of Jermaine Gresham when Jermaine Gresham first got on campus at Oklahoma, just the, the body type and how you know, just basically the body type. And, and you boy, know, wouldn't that be something if, if he's similar to Jermaine Gresham? Well, it sure would be awesome. And, and I'm not going to, I'm not too concerned about his, his size. I mean, we forget Carson Meyer was the H back. Carson Meyer is a massive human being. Six, four. Yeah. Yeah. I want to say yeah. Willis is something like six, five or six, six, maybe yeah, a little taller. Yeah. So, I mean, this is, this is significant. This is Braden Willis is an NFL style body and athlete at that position now that he has the potential to be by far the most lethal weapon that they've had at that position and um this was the most newsworthy uh, news in my opinion of the press conference was him going to h-back because i think it's something that especially during his recruiting a lot of people sort of anticipated um i certainly did and i'm just excited to see this because every time that he touched the ball this past year i i think i you could see the potential oozing off of him um, I'm excited to see this. This is a this is a a guy who really reminds me of um, if you if you guys remember Trevon Wesco, the kind of the tight end H back from from West Virginia this past year, who is who is probably going to be a day two pick in the NFL draft. Uh, it's a guy that Braden Willis reminds me a lot of, and, and that can only be a positive. Yeah, Wesco was good. He's a good player. He stood out for them. Body type, when- I mean, and like a same the same skill set. All right, so I was off on Willis's measurables. He's on the website. He's listed as 6'3", 221, so maybe even a little little shorter than Carson Meyer. So, yeah, I mean, that would he'd fit the mold there perfectly. Grant, he didn't touch the ball more than one time this past year, and I actually remember the play. It was a, a catch over the middle against Baylor. So you didn't see him catch the ball a whole lot, so don't don't overemphasize that too much. But I get your point. On that one play, he, he – Looked good, I guess. But, yeah, it's one play. We'll see him in the spring. Good pull. And <laughs> I was thinking, because like, I remember that play randomly because I was shooting that game up top. It was actually the last game this year that I was actually at to shoot because we had another guy that shot most of the game. So that's why it stands out to me. And I was up top in the uh, oh, top of the press box. And I remember shooting it and thinking, oh, that guy looks tall and lanky. Oh, Braden Willis got a catch. Good for him. Cool. All right, so that's Willis. I got some sound from Riley on Michael Thompson, Grant. Do you want to listen to it at all? Are you interested on why you switched? Yeah, I mean, yeah, we can, we can get into that for it's sure. It's actually pretty short. It's only about 20 seconds long. I got a couple other clips I'll pull from Riley for later in the show, a little longer, more, more nuance and depth. But this one on Michael Thompson is pretty short. And this is Lincoln Riley talking about the switch from defense to offense for Michael Thompson. But we always felt like that he had the ability to, to play O-line. And I think... When we got down to it, our numbers have been a little bit better on the defensive line right now than the O-line. Thought it potentially gave him a chance to contribute um, a little bit quicker and just something that made the most sense right now at the time. So, uh, he, you know, we're excited to see him there this spring. We think he's got some, you know, some nice ability there. And so I think you brought it up, too, on the show a couple weeks ago when we talked about Thompson. He was recruited initially as an, you know, an offensive lineman, and, and Riley brought that up, and then they thought, hey, we can play him on defense, too. And so – they always kind of had that in the back of their mind that they could switch him. The thing that stood out to me, though, on that soundbite grant, and I just, I guess I just didn't know this. I could have probably done the math and, and done a little research and found this out on my own, but 
Riley's saying that the numbers on the defensive line were are better right now than the numbers on the offensive line. And so they they could afford to move them. I thought that was pretty interesting. Did you know did you know that? I mean, cuz the defensive line I mean, just the defense in general, we don't think of the numbers being that great because I guess the defense isn't, hasn't been very good. Yeah, I, I can buy that, though, because if you really think about it, um, outside of the presumed five starters on the offensive line going into the season, they're they're pretty thin there. Um, I think it's, a, it's very likely that a JUCO transfer coming in this year, Finley Felix, is probably going to be the direct backup to one of those positions. Um, I'd already mentioned that it's possible that EJ and Doma Ogar, who's coming in in the summer, who's going to be a true freshman, he could be Creed Humphrey's backup. So yeah, they're a little thin on the offensive line. I think they're um, they're really athletic and talented uh, with the five guys that are kind of presumed starting up there. But I think uh, they were they were probably pretty surprised. I, I think by Bobby Evans leaving that that kind of that's kind of created a little bit more of a hole on the offensive line. So this does make sense. Um, but the only thing I can think of from listening to that clip from Riley is that the guy just he just didn't have it at defensive tackle. That's that's what I take from it. He's saying that he thinks that he's going to have more of an opportunity to contribute on the offensive line. I mean that that tells me that he's he's behind a lot of people on the defensive line. So yeah. I mean it makes me wonder if 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 him playing defensive tackle was was ever going to happen or if that was just kind of a pipe dream. Yeah. yeah, that's a good point. Which is disappointing because I mean the guy was a top 100 recruit in the country as a defensive lineman um which, you know, you know those guys don't grow on trees, so it would have been nice to, to have a guy like that sort of anchor in the defense, but apparently they do not feel that way. And of course, I mean, I haven't seen them play, so I don't really know, but it's just, it's uh, from what we know about recruiting and how important defensive linemen are, this is certainly something that is, it's a little disappointing, but hey, if he turns out to be like the next Orlando Brown at tackle, I'll be totally okay with it. We can switch back to talking about the defensive line here momentarily because there's a some audio we got from Lincoln Riley talking about the new kind of philosophy when it comes to the defensive line about shedding a little bit of weight which could be potentially interesting and I have a long soundbite is him mentioning kind of the idea behind that and so we'll get into that a little bit later but let's kind of wrap up the the news of the presser a little bit the last bit of news A.D. Miller was in the transfer portal he tried to maybe go somewhere else I guess he was poking around Illinois and he never officially or fully enrolled at Illinois, and now A.D. Miller is back with Oklahoma. So Miller is back. He played in four games last year. He had seven catches and a couple touchdowns, and so that'll add to the wide receiver depth for Oklahoma. Obviously, he, I'm sure Miller kind of thought, I got you know all these talented guys are coming in here. I want to have a better chance to play and we go somewhere else. Uh, Riley made the comment in this press conference, Grant, that they don't have a whole lot of depth at wide receiver, but they got a lot of talent. So that's an interesting thing for him to say, and I'm sure based on that, and Riley's happy to get Miller back into the mix if that's if that's the case. So, you have any thoughts on Miller? Yeah, I just thought it was kind of weird. Um, I think he even mentioned too that he never actually like enrolled at Illinois. Correct. Um, he made the comment right that they lost contact with him for a couple weeks, and then they just heard from him again recently, and they welcomed him with open arms. So. Interesting for sure. Um, you know, yeah. I mean, this is not a bad thing. I don't, Ad Miller is not is not going to be a major contributor in the upcoming season. I don't. I don't think unless he has made you know large improvements. But yeah, I mean, I can see where Riley's coming from in, in terms of lack of depth. You have C.D. Lamb and um, you know Charleston Rambo is a guy that I feel like they're probably going to be relying on quite a bit, and he's a guy who really hasn't had a lot of run in his career so far. I think people are just sort of remembering 
the pretty solid game he had in the Orange Bowl and are, are expecting big things from him. And, and you know, I'm I'm expecting him to to at least be, you know, serviceable. Um but yeah, I mean really outside of um C D and, and Grant Calcaterra, they don't have a ton of experience coming back, so that's why they are gonna rely on, you know, the three five star freshman receivers. I think they're still waiting to hear on Nick Basquin. Do you, did they talk about that at all? What's the deal with Nick Basquin? Is he I thought his eligibility well, was up. Well, he he uh, he applied for a waiver because oh, uh, because he no, he missed like two up. two some odds. Okay, that's interesting. So because he he's a guy who you know could provide a little bit of depth as well. Well, there. how dare you so, not mention my man, my favorite player on the team outside of dude Lee Morris. Oh uh, yeah, Lee, Lee Morris. Morris is back. Ah jeez, I don't I don't know how I forgot he'll, about uh, that. Um, he'll get some extra play so that's oh, yeah. that's some nice yeah, depth there too so yeah but i mean lamb morris and you know charleston rambo is the of the three obviously has the least amount of experience and then i mean calcaterra is a wide receiver essentially i mean he's a tight end but he's a, yeah. he's a wide receiver so and then, and then um, you got all the, the uh, another guy the, the talented true freshman yeah 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 other uh, and then you know i i think we're gonna see all of the true freshmen but uh, another guy that i think we're gonna see quite a bit of over the course of the year is is ah jeez i can't talk Jaquelin crawford uh Jaqueline Crawford. Yes, thank you. Yeah, he's one Going of the few guys I got a there. chance to see play in high school when I was living in Texas still in that area, and he was real good. Yeah, he, he's real fast. It's a real easy comparison. It's, it's not going to be full, but I mean, because he's a, a smaller-bodied player and really fast, you think, okay, Marquise Brown. But I mean, he's not Marquise Brown, at least from no, he hasn't played a whole lot. He hasn't played really at all. But I mean, he's a super short, skinny, really fast wide receiver, so... Generally, that describes Marquise Brown. <laughs> um, I'm going to throw a name out there. This is going to be a deep cut. Well, not really much of a deep cut. Jawan Rankins. He's Jawan Rankins. Oh, I remember him. He's a good player. Oh, yeah. Really solid player. All right, so that's the news. I guess the only other newsy thing is just, you know, Lincoln Riley, he wants to build more off of the spring game. Last year, obviously, he made it a big deal. They set an attendance record. 52,000 people there at the spring game in 2018. Riley made a point to say to his pressure that 11 players that were on official visits at the spring game in 2018 are now on Oklahoma's roster. So he wanted to make a point that, hey, that in, in, those players did say that the spring game and everything that happened that weekend on their visit, that was a big factor in why they picked Oklahoma. So obviously Riley wants to make 2019 spring game even bigger and there will be more announcements in the coming days about what to expect and and I guess how they can improve upon last year so that's April 13th is the spring game it's more than a month away Grant uh, any thoughts any any ideas you think that Riley should go for to make the spring game even bigger than it was last year I mean Trace Atkins part two obviously part two Mm -hmm. um maybe the weather not being garbage even though that he has no control over that Chances are it's it's probably just going to be a better event than last year, virtue of the weather. Because what was it last year? God, it was like awful. Low forties and sixty mile an hour yeah, winds. It, it was so cold. I mean, and, and you know what it is. I mean, it's when you add that wind in there, it it feels a lot colder sometimes than it does in certain days up in Minnesota. Whenever there's not a whole lot of wind there, I mean that wind just bites oh, right absolutely. through. Absolutely, and it was awful on the yeah. field. I, mean, I could barely even hold the camera steady because the wind was blowing. I can't. The players had to have hated it, and then all the all the fans that came out. You know, good for you all that you decided to brave that kind of weather and just stand there and freeze and watch fake football. Sorry, guys, it's not a real game. Exhibition football. 
So, anyways, but yeah, yeah I mean, and, I mean, yeah, it's it's uh, hopefully the weather is better. It was it was painful even to watch last year. And it sucks. Like, I, I, I hate. You couldn't get a good evaluation on on uh, Kendall or Murray. Really, that's what was so mm-hmm. annoying. Yeah. Yeah, I know. That, that's how bad the weather was. People actually came away from that game thinking that Kendall actually had a shot to beat out Murray. Cough, yeah, I was, cough, I was one of them. I thought Kendall played better God, than Murray in that game. That's, that's so hilarious in retrospect. I, I, I really should have just spiked the football uh-huh. all season long about that. Why didn't I do that? Yeah, because you, be you must be a nice guy. I'll, I'll let you be on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, no, I think that's, uh, you know, I, that's that's a pretty good pull from Riley. Eleven guys who were at the spring game last year now on the roster. That's that's pretty cool. So hey, I you do whatever you got to do to get the best guys in the country in. Whether or not that's during the spring or during the fall, who cares? Just put on an event, make it fun, and it, it get the best guys to come play for OU. That's all I really care about. I don't care how they go about doing it as long as it's with as long as it's within the rules and they don't get like the death penalty <laughs> or something like that. So I posted on the Facebook page on either Tuesday or Wednesday, probably Tuesday, because uh, I've been busy all Wednesday. Just kind of what you all are more, mo- you know, most excited about when it comes to spring practice. Got a couple couple comments, and uh, Trey's good. I, and you know, I didn't, this isn't even on the rundown, but Trey wants us to talk about this Lincoln-Riley men's fantasy camp that's coming up this summer, and I'm sh- Trey's joking, and it's funny. I, I don't I don't know. Phillip says anything about defense, which, yes, we're going to talk about defense here coming up. But real quick, I, Grant, I'll be honest with you. I If I had $2,500 and not a whole lot of shame, and you know what? People are making fun of it like, oh, why would you do that? It's kind of you're kind of a loser if you go to that. I think it'd be kind of fun. You got $2,500 and you can go hang out and get kind of close with the coach and stuff. Why not? That'd be kind of cool. If you yeah, if if you got like a handful of your buddies together to go, oh that's even yeah, it's even better there, yeah, that'd be really fun. There's no way you could tell me that wouldn't be fun. like. And yes, I I get that like the appearance of it is really silly. Like, why would a grown adult want to go do that? But at the same time, man, it's a product they're offering. If you want to go do it, who cares? Just do it. Yeah, I mean, if you got the money for, I mean, obviously it's not a great look if you're spending three months of rent to go and like you can't really afford it, but. Uh, anyway, yeah, it's just apparently he was asked about that today. Riley was, and he said that they did it at Texas Tech, and he didn't say a whole lot about it at the press conference, but he hopes it's going to be a fun time. And then the thought is that afterwards, when it's over with, then the word of mouth and everyone say, oh, I had a great, it was really cool, and then it'll just kind of build and grow from there. So interesting. Yeah, and I'm sure, I'm sure kind of what the, what the thing is, is they'll probably just, they'll put them through like a really ultra in-depth like you know tour of the facilities and stuff like that and they'll probably just get a sort of very very light rundown of kind of how like their process is it's probably something that you know for someone who just really loves OU football it's probably something that's really cool I don't think I would ever do it I I, I would be one of those guys who would be like yeah, I'm not I mean I, I don't want anyone ever to see me at that thing <laughs> but I don't know I mean it's it, it's definitely a it's definitely a thing that you can point at and at least laugh at it's kind of silly but you know I, I all the I feel like all of the like major league teams do this during spring training, yeah. like at their spring yeah. training facilities. They all have like men fantasy camps for that, and I don't know. I think this one would be funner. Well, there's a it, it, it would suck. It would suck to have to strap on the pads and go like hit people and stuff like that. Would that would suck. be I awesome. Do that? Are you kidding me? This guy's a, you live for that. You haven't done it in years. I think that would be oh, a lot more that. fun. Tackling sucks, man. Yeah, but if you worst. haven't done it in a long time, it would it would definitely be incredibly nostalgic to do something like that. The part that I, the release I saw, just the extended chalk talk 
and just I, I, that's the part I'd want to just hang out. Hey, can we just do this all day? Hey, uh, you know, take up, uh, pull up a chair. Uh, I got a couple of plays I want to ask you about. And Let's just watch film. Yeah, seriously, that, pay twenty five hundred to watch, watch tape, film yeah. for two hours. Yeah, I'd be down. yeah. All right, let's talk about the defense and you know, the main thing everyone's concerned about, interested about, wants to know everything about. I think Lincoln Riley is included in this is Alex Grinch and what happens with this. So let's talk. Let's first let's play a clip from Lincoln Riley talking about Alex Grinch's defense. He was asking, you know, hey, what do we call it? What is this? And well, I'll just let Lincoln Riley explain. Defensively, as far as what you want to call it, uh, we've used uh, – Coach Grinch breaks it down with the defense every time he talks to them, but they've used the speed D. You know, that's been one thing for us is getting getting more speed on the field. I mean, that has been a huge a huge point both with our current players, uh, with what we're doing with our guys as far as how we train them, uh, their bodies, and then and then certainly been a big change for us. And not say a big change, not that we haven't recruited speed in the past, but it is I would say it's a bigger emphasis right now in our evaluations of potential players before they come in here. So the first time we've heard of the Speed D moniker, which was used by Alex Grinch at first internally at Washington State, but then I saw that it, it became a public thing because there's a article like by one of the local papers that came out in 2017, Grinch's final year there, talking about the Speed D. So that's something that that's one of Grinch's philosophies, and that's one of his mantras, and so now it's coming out here at Oklahoma. And so one of the big reasons why you wanted Alex Grinch Grant at Oklahoma is because the Big 12, you got to be fast, you got to get around. I mean, it's a lot of spread out, things like that, and he had experience, Grinch did, at Washington State where it's more spread, and you kind of marry those, you know, those athletes that maybe aren't as big as you're used to that you want up front, but it, they make it work. And so now we're kind of getting some confirmation of that from Lincoln Riley there. I don't know if there's a whole lot to say about that clip. I just kind of wanted to to have everyone hear that, you know, that that's what to expect from this defense speed and taking the fight to the to the offense and playing on Oklahoma's terms defensively as opposed to letting everything come to them. That's that's partly what Riley talked about in the, in the press conference as well. What do you want? What do you, anything that you want to add there before we get to kind of the part about how some players need to start losing some weight? Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's it's typically, I mean, that's definitely the stuff you're going to hear when you're trying to win a press conference for sure. I mean, I didn't hear anything that I object to, but of course that's the case. We haven't seen the defense out on the field yet in the game, so um, yeah, it all sounds great right now. We'll see what happens uh, <laughs> when they play Houston at the end of August. I don't know. I mean. Um, I, I suppose I, I suppose we'll be able to see the defense for the first time during the spring game, but um, I mean we we know how those spring games go. It's going to be a very very vanilla time, yeah. and, and people are going to be going at about sixty percent, if that. So here's the part that will probably lead us to some discussion, and it won't just be for today. It'll be moving forward, and something that we've kind of wrestled with generally in football for the last handful of years or more, and that's just kind of the a size thing. And let's just play Lincoln Riley. He was asked by my boss, Dean Blevins, at News 9, just to be more specific about what he means by players, you know, maybe trimming some pounds and getting faster, things like that. And he talked about the secondary a little bit. I didn't hear a whole lot that stood out to me when it came to that. But when he started talking about the defensive line, you know, some of the biggest guys on the defense, obviously, that stood out a bit. And he mentions a lot of names here, and he talks about – well, just the idea of maybe getting a little bit slimmer, a little bit faster. Here's Lincoln Riley on the defensive line. 
in the front with a couple of our guys and, and you know, being able to do everything that Coach Grinch expects in his system. There's been a couple of our guys like a Q Overton, like a Dylan Falmatel, like a Neville Gallimore, um, uh, even even some of the guys that we've played on the edge, you know, as young guys like a Ronnie Perkins, Jalen Redmond, I mean, some of those type guys. We've had a few of them that we felt the need to trim them down just a little bit. And this is a this is an active, very aggressive defense, you know, and it's based on it's based on aggression, and a lot of that aggression comes from the front and being able to be disruptive. And so, uh, you got to have guys that have the quickness and the burst to get that done and then also the conditioning to do it for a long time as we know some of the games play out in this league. So uh, um, I, I wouldn't say there's going to be any just radical differences. I mean, we're not talking about dropping 25 or 30 pounds off some of these guys, but for a few of them it is it's certainly the goal has been trimming them down just a little bit to accommodate what we want to do. All right, that makes sense. That sounds nice and everything, Grant, but I think the logical – question to this philosophy is let's say this works let's say the speed d mantra is a thing and oklahoma's defense improves and they continue to win and they can get to another playoff and now you're going up against the alabamas the clemsons the ohio states these i get in more so the georgias all these guys grant they have these big beefy defensive linemen and that's how they've been winning. I mean, Clemson was able to dominate the defensive line with not with you know small, trimmed, fast guys, but beefy guys up front that are also technically sound and can wreak havoc. Well, I don't, I don't know if it's fair to compare that to Clemson, who has, I mean, legitimately four first-round NFL draft picks on the defensive line. That's that's not normal. Um, and also, at the same time, I mean, Quinnen Williams is the guy who anchored Alabama's defensive line, and I think he just weighed in at like three hundred and three pounds at the combine. Uh, Neville Gallimore's got about 30 pounds on him. So, oh no, Neville, um, Neville's like 300, 305. Are you serious? Yeah, he ain't he ain't 330. 330 so is So you're going to massive. Wait, so so you're disputing his his listed height and weight of 62 331. Oh, well. 330? Wow, I, yeah. I had no idea he was that big. Gallimore is massive. Man, and the way he moves too. Okay, well that's my bad. All right, I thought Gallimore was closer to three oh five. Yeah, this is why this is why he's just like you know, he's like that that untapped potential because I mean a guy that big should not be able to move that way. Yeah, all right, no, that's my fault. That's I mean, th- this is why he was my number one you know player to watch because I this guy is if, if if there's anyone who is gonna have like a surprise All American season, it's it's obviously this guy. So. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I expect Gallimore to have a monster senior season. Yeah, so I, I do have a little bit of a concern, though, of, of the idea of getting smaller. Not that these guys are going to get that much smaller, you heard, Rally. It's just, uh, you know, I, I like the big kind of defensive lineman, but now, then I think more about it, and I think, you know what? If, if this is the way to get into a system and a scheme that may actually work more than it has been in the past, which it has not been working a whole lot for Oklahoma defensively for a few years now, then I suppose, you know, go for it. Because, you know, you can't get much worse than it's been. And if they play more confidently and they have more success this way, then then I'm all for it, obviously. 
So I suppose that's kind of the counter to having a little bit of trepidation to to hearing about players that could be, you know, big, beefy rum stoppers, maybe slimming down and not being as big. But, hey, I mean, if they're faster and that's that's what Alex Grinch wants. And you know, I guess Hercules Mata'afa was a dominant interior lineman that played at about 230, 240. So that's that's pretty incredible. So it, it definitely is possible. And I wonder, too, um, there was maybe some speculation. I know Alan Kinney uh, over at Blatant Homerism is a guy who had speculated that um, maybe they would slide Ronnie Perkins inside at least every now and then to play that three-tech defensive tackle spot. I think you have to question whether or not, if, if Riley is talking about whether or not Ronnie Perkins needs to slim down, I think it's totally fair to question um, if they would you know, switch him you know, inside the defensive tackle, I think. If they're trying to trim him down, that looks kind of, I don't know, not probably like it's not going to happen. Uh, what do you think about that? I don't really have any thoughts on on that right now. I I don't know. I mean, I, what do we talk about Ronnie Perkins? He's kind of, I mean, it's a, more of like a 3-4. You know, to me, he's the more talented of between him and Kenneth Mann. Yeah, I mean, he's, a, what is Perkins, like two, you know, 240, 250, something like that. Uh, I think he's like I actually, I actually think he might be closer to two sixty. Here, let me go look. Two fifty. I mean, of course, two fifty four. I mean, so right, right. Okay. There. I mean, okay. but yeah, I mean, he's he's a he's a very talented player. He he made a lot of strides. And one of the things that Riley wanted to talk about too, he mentioned a couple times, is that he doesn't want to pigeonhole anybody into certain spots right now. And he was mainly talking about the Oklahoma secondary, which makes a whole lot of sense because there's a lot of open spots there in theory because those that position group has been so poor. But maybe that also applies to the defensive line as well. It doesn't want to certain pigeonhole certain players, or you, know, you just kind of want to look at with fresh eyes and see what happens when the guys get out there and first start practicing on Thursday. So, yeah, I don't have a whole lot of in-depth, nuanced thoughts yet on Ronnie Perkins. All I know is that I, I like them as a freshman, and, and hopefully, not hopefully, I, Alex Grinch will find a spot for him in the Stevens. There's no doubt about it. I guess the question that you're bringing up is just where or. You know, will he be more of a, one of those multiple guys that has different different uh, abilities and is asked to do different things? So I guess, yeah, that's something to look, to look out for. How about uh, a secondary player that is very polarizing, Buki? And Lincoln Riley was asked about Buki, and he brought up something that, you know, I'll be honest, I hadn't really thought of at all, and it makes a whole lot of sense. I'm not sure how much it really affected a whole lot of things, but it seemed like it affected a lot, at least in Riley's eyes. But Lincoln Riley's mentioned that Buki, he wasn't healthy after the Kansas State game. And if you remember, and I totally forgot about this, there was a moment in that K-State game where he got hit and was down for a while. And just it, it looked, oh, he did the hit. Or no, he did, oh, the, he did the hitting. It was something like where, yeah, I remember him being down and it didn't look good. And then, but he, I guess, you know, he played the next week, and he was like, "Okay, he's fine," or whatever. So apparently, he wasn't healthy the rest of the year. Anyways, let's let's listen to Lincoln Riley talk about Buki, and then we'll kind of just play off of this last piece of sound I have on the current team. And then, if uh, we're done talking about spring, we'll we'll kind of slide into talking about Kyler Murray for a little bit. But here's Lincoln Riley talking about Buki. Yeah, and I think for him, you know, there's a lot of the really good things the kid did last year. We certainly put a lot on him. He played such a large role for a, for, for a young guy, and he did a lot of great things. Um, and so I think the thing now is, you know, getting him back healthy, getting him kind of acclimated here into to Coach Grinch's defense. You know, he's got a skill set to be able to 
play a number of different positions, as do several of our DBs. And so we're really, both with him and a lot of our, not just DBs, but a lot of our players defensively as a whole, we're trying to take a very, you know, kind of very open look at these guys in spring. We're not trying to pigeonhole guys too much into positions. You know, we're, we're really trying to look at, you know, getting the best players on the field, really emphasizing the speed, the length, you know, that, that, you know, that Coach Grinch and his guys want defensively, and then just who best fits and can go execute the system. And uh, I, I you know, think there's a great place for him in this system at several of the different positions. And I, I do love the fact that, you know, that, you know, in that meeting room as the coordinator, you know, and I, I think that I think that makes a difference. And uh, I think our, our secondary guys have noticed a change, certainly from that front already. Well, so let's I just thought of this, Grant. <laughs> the very last thing he said there, he just kind of gave us a bit of an idea right now, Grant, that Buki, he's still playing safety, isn't he? Because if he's still if, if he's in a position meeting with the coordinator, Alex Grinch, who's the safeties coach, Buki's still considered a safety right now. That's what I'm inferring from that last thing. We talked about how us and a lot of people want to see if he can get a chance to play corner. And I just thought of this now after listening to that soundbite for like the third or fourth time. I know spring ball is starting on Thursday, so we have a long ways to go. But as of now, and I guess it makes sense. Why would they make a change you know, that quickly? Uh, as of right now, it sounds like you know, Buki, he's still a safety. He's working with Alex Grinch in the, you know, in, in the safety group. And uh, there's a lot of players on this roster that could play a lot of different spots in the defensive backfield. And so really, you know, who's to say what's going to happen with the defensive backs? Because right now everything's up in the air, it would seem. <sighs> is that interesting? I mean, is, it, is that – I mean, it, it's not surprising because, again, we haven't started spring practice yeah, yet. Yeah, you're right. I mean – yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, it's. I'm, I guess I'm. I guess I'm just trying to process it right now because, yeah, I mean, I think you are. You're about as close to 100 percent correct as you can be without having, you know, the the confirming information. And I got to give I, credit. I yeah, sorry, sorry to interrupt you. I got to give credit to Norman Transcripts, Tyler Palmatier, uh, really good OU football beat writer, and uh, he asked the question. That's why I bring him up. And and one of the part of the question was, do you could you envision Buki switching positions, and nowhere in there did Riley ever say I mean you pretty much heard most of the everything you said about Buki and not nothing about yes or no or you know, I, he, no, he mentioned he mentioned multiple positions yeah, which I mean he kind of that can only mean corner safety and nickelback right that's those are literally the only three positions so I mean he didn't say yes or no but he 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 answered it in a way where you know a lot of guys are can play a lot of different positions so the answer without answering it, and I mean the, the very high level coaching uh, coach speak technique. Lincoln Riley has gotten very good at that. He this is I mean this is not he generally says literally nothing. Yeah, he's he's real sharp guy. Uh, he's, I mean, it's not surprising. Yeah, he, you don't, he, he don't get to where doing. he is at this age and not being incredibly intelligent and sharp. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, Buki's a guy that we're all going to be watching and paying attention to and seeing what happens, and it's just. Anytime the guys ask about him or talks about him, people listen. I mean, I'm looking forward to Thursday. Thursday, and again, you're listening to this podcast on Thursday, so maybe by the time you listen to it, this has already happened. But defensive availability is supposed to be on Thursday, March 7th, and that would mean that Alex Grinch will be available, and this will be the first time Grinch will be available since his opening presser. I'm, you know, I guess I 
I'm not 100% sure Grinch will be available, but based on every time there's defensive availability, when Mike Stoops is a defensive coordinator, Mike Stoops always talked of those things. So uh, that'll be a very interesting scrum, and a lot of people will be there to talk to Alex Grinch to basically get his thoughts on everything, and I can't wait for that. So that'll be on next this week's is, podcast. This is completely out of nowhere. I just want to bring it up, though, because I'm like, I, I need to bring it up before I start kind of laughing to myself. So I'm sitting here on the on the OU website. I'm going through their their roster, and it's the roster viewer. It shows sort of like a, just a little uh, their you know their their mug shot or whatever. And I think a lot of the times you can kind of tell, um, just kind of looking at a guy's face, just what sort of kind of development he's been through. <laughs> like there's some guys who still have like a baby face and still haven't fully matured. Yeah. And then there's some guys where you look at them and they're like, okay, that's a guy who is a mat- who is who is obviously already matured at his age, and he's a man. And I'm looking through I'm looking through some of these, and I get down Lee all the way to Braden Willis, and I only bring it just because we were just talking about him. Braden Willis looks like he's a 45 year old man, <laughs> <laughs> but in a good way. No, yeah, like in a good way. Like he looks like, yeah, he he looks like a like a 45 year old man who is also in very good shape and takes care of himself yeah like if he was a if he was 45 people would be like gosh you, you look like you're you're 25 man even though he's still not even yeah. 25 he's tech is he even a 20 so, yeah. year old yet this, is he still a teenager maybe this yeah this is of course not at all a scientific way to determine who's going to be a good player but Braden Willis <laughs> but, definitely passes the mugshot test uh, 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 don't don't call it a mugshot. That's that, that's some. Well, I mean, you guys know what I mean. It's not. I'm I'm not referring to to that. The I'm just still saying. image on the roster passes the, the test. The I'm trying football to, Trey pick. Sermon is a guy who passes that test for sure. Who who else does? Jalen Redmond does absolutely. Let's see or who else. T.J. Pleasure definitely passes that test. I think. Anywho, that's it. We'll we'll keep going. <laughs> that was uh... <laughs> that was that that was fun solely for me. That's it. <laughs> Randy, you have anything else you want to add uh, in, in regards to spring practice opening? What were we talking about again? We were talking about Buki a little bit. Yeah, uh, that's yeah. that's all yeah, I have I'm when just... it comes to talking about the spring ball right now and just stuff from the press conference. Yeah, I, I guess I'm just kind of um, thinking about Buki still at safety. I'm, I'm honestly just tired already thinking about it. Um, so well, he's we'll see. I don't know. Yeah, you, you you make a very good point that you know nothing is. They haven't had any formal practices right, right, or anything. Yeah. So, so of course he's still at exactly. safety. So so it's not that, that big sense, of a But deal. but they. I mean, they did already move Michael Thompson to offensive line. That's a good point. They moved they moved Braden Willis positions as well. So so yeah, I think your point actually just oh, uh, wow. is actually moot now. Well, after that, yeah, but at the same time though. Again, you heard him on the soundbite that they're not going to pigeonhole pl- players. So, with the secondary and Alex Grinch being a safeties coach and you know probably specializing more in the secondary, he's probably not if wanting were, to make any quick judgments on that group yeah. right now. Mm-hmm. But hey, I, I do want to point out that a couple weeks ago, I cynically did say that a part of me just thinks that they're not going to do anything with Buki and he's just going to be at at Nickelback this upcoming year. So, we'll see. I don't know. All right, let's move on and talk a little bit of Kyler Murray. I'm not sure where this is going to go, how much we have on this, but might as well bring it up. It's in the news this week. It's in the national news. And, you know, we kind of moved away from Murray's size for the moment to Murray's leadership skills, apparently. Former NFL executive Charlie Casterly said that his NFL Combine sources said the comments that Casterly heard about Kyler Murray were the worst he's ever heard at the Combine on a highly rated quarterback. He and 
Casterly says that he's been doing this a while. And as far as Kyler Murray goes, leadership, not good. Study habits, not good. Board work, below, not good. Before you and I talk about this, Grant, let's go to somebody who knows Kyler Murray pretty well, and that would be Lincoln Riley, who was asked to comment on these uh, Casterly developments today at the press conference. So let's go to Lincoln Riley and hear how he defends Kyler Murray. What I don't like about that is you got a guy, you know, on TV doing this report, and I know Charlie Cashley's had a decorated career in the NFL. I mean, he's done a lot of tremendous things. So I, I just, to me, it always seems strange. You go on a deal and say your sources, number one, and then you're going to go on and talk like you're an expert about somebody that you've never met. You've never talked to his position coach or head coach at any level about him, and you've never talked to any player that's played with the guy about how he leads, but now we're going to be an expert on how he leads. you know. And moreover to me, if I was going to pick out a guy that I was going to complain about their leadership, I would probably pick a guy that maybe has had a season end without a championship in his career because this guy hasn't. Every season that the guy's ever played, he's won, and he's won at the highest level. And, in this game, you don't do it without leadership. So I, it's, you know, for me, it's frustrating on one hand because I know the kind of leader the guy is. I know what the guy's like in the meeting room. I know how he can operate an offense. I, I have zero questions. But I also understand that's part of the game right now. And uh, but, you know, like I said this morning, um, I've had a number of teams that met personally with Kyler uh, at the combine that called me after and raved about the kid. And uh, so he's, again, you're not, you're not, not everybody's going to love you. He's going to have plenty that are going to love him. So, yeah, kind of long there, but I wanted to get the full context of what Riley said at his press conference. And since this is a podcast, we have the time, I wanted to play it. So no, no, no surprise there, Grant, that Riley's going to come out and say nice things and defend Kyler Murray there. I think bef- the first thing I want to start with here is what Casserly brings up, leadership, study habits, board work. Those are three things that you and I, honestly, we can't really speak to when it comes to Kyler Murray because those are things that we, obviously the study habits and board work, we don't see that at all. I guess leadership to some extent, we could probably speak to a little bit just based, I mean, based on the fact that it seemed like he got along with the guys pretty well. And every time he's been a starting quarterback, again, like Lincoln Riley brought up is that he, he wins. I mean, he, he was the best high school player ever in Texas, never lost a game. And in this one season at Oklahoma starting, he only, you know, he lost to Texas and he lost to Alabama and, you know, kept his team in the game the entire time and almost came back. I mean, so he doesn't have a, he has a never die attitude when it comes to playing on the field. But I think it's kind of interesting that, you know, take you know, Lincoln Riley, he would know more than anybody, and so would Kyler Murray. So, you know, who are you going to believe, Riley or Casterly? I tend to believe Lincoln Riley because you spent a lot of time with him. But I think it's just kind of interesting from the sake of our point of view. We can't really speak to any of these negative comments that, that Casterly made because I guess we don't really know. We're not in the meeting rooms. We don't see that, and I can't tell – if Kyler Murray is uh, you know good on the chalkboard by watching film, honestly, because uh, I, I can see him make good throws and make good decisions here and there, but I don't know. I don't. I, I guess I'm ram- rambling at this point. But what are your thoughts on on Casterly and kind of this whole thing so far? I find it really interesting, 
for sure. Um, I think there's probably likely some gamemanship going on here amongst some teams in the league, I would guess. Um, because that, I mean, that's just kind of using my my detective skills here. What's who who is the beneficiary of news like that? Those are, those are the questions that you have to ask. Um, and it would presumably be teams, right, that are that are behind Arizona in the in the in the draft order, right? So, like, who else would benefit from that information? Okay, okay. I um, mean, the, the I don't Raiders, know. I guess I'm just they want a quarterback, yeah, and it's also yeah. Casserly. I mean, this is also this is the only this is the only information of this sort that we've heard. Um, since then, I've seen other people, like other scouts on Twitter, come out and say. Uh, weird. Other teams I've talked to have had nothing but good things to say about him. I mean, even Joel Klatt came out and said that as well. Oh, okay, good. Um, I haven't had a chance to. I've been so caught up on all, everything today. I haven't on Wednesday. I haven't. I was curious about that. Like, who would come to Kyler Murray's defense? So you're saying that there's already been a couple people that have kind of came yeah. out. I mean, obviously yeah. Lincoln Riley did, and and at the end of that soundbite, Riley mentioned that he's he had phone calls from NFL teams saying that you know Kyler's great. And I, yeah, I have and no reason not to. He, he, I have no reason not to believe. Yeah, he wouldn't lie about yeah. that. He wouldn't lie about that. No. So and um, yeah, Casserly says yeah, it's like I, I think, more, I think it's more than, than anything. Two or it's three, just interesting. It's like it's. I think you said it's three teams. Your three sources he heard from. So it's not like he heard from thirty-one or thirty-two teams. But yeah, it's certainly in- interesting whenever you take into account. Just Kyler Murray is kind of a publicly his interviews his pressers he's kind of a he kind of comes off sometimes as a, as a weird dude just his answers here and there are kind of like all right i don't know kind of short maybe or maybe he doesn't quite understand the question really or he gets the question but he, maybe sometimes i don't know there was there was a couple of moments during pressers this past year where it was a bit awkward and weird but eh, it could just be his personality but you know who who cares i mean that's just press conferences who knows if he acts like that in meetings and it sounds like Aside from these sources that Casterly has, there's been positive, good things about him. And, uh, but yeah, it's, it's just, excuse me, it's just another, it's just kind of another thing to kind of poke holes in a, a player that when you watch him and you see him, it's like, this guy's really good. He's clearly the best quarterback in this draft. And I know that he's short, but like, how do you win in football? <laughs> like, you got to have a really good quarterback. You have great quarterback play. That helps quite a bit. I mean, you're going to win a lot of games with Kyler Murray. And if, even if some crazy way it doesn't pan out and he does bust, like I said on this podcast before, it's not going to be because he's too short or too small. It's going to be because he, he can't make the throws. And everything we've seen so far, the evidence that we have is he can make the throws. So you got to go with it and it's just it's just so much nitpicking right now and i guess that's the season we're in grand is it's pre-draft yeah. season and there's going to be nitpicks everywhere yeah yeah and i think i i think half of of the commentary after those quotes from casterly came out was a lot of people sort of kind of mocking it like oh lol this is just the the the, the time of year it is right now true um true so i don't know yeah i my my first reaction to it was oh that's interesting and then after I started to think about it a little more I was like you know you don't have maybe the best passing season in the history of college football and complete 70% of your throws if you are below not good on the yeah, ball yeah that's, that's just a good point. that's just not a thing it's not a thing i'm sorry you don't you don't complete 70% of your freaking throws in college if you don't know where you're going with the ball a lot of the time and a lot of that is being good on the board so 
Yeah. You know, yeah. I and not to mention so, he I, I don't sat know. behind I, Baker Mayfield for a couple of years and I mean and think about how good Baker Mayfield is and, and how far ahead because Casterly brought that up. I've heard a couple of interviews with him and talk about how far ahead Baker Mayfield is compared to Kyler Murray. And Sure, Baker Mayfield certainly is ahead of Kyler Murray. I don't know how far ahead he is, but I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, Mayfield's just a really smart dude. I mean, you hear stories about how he has like a, a photographic memory and he just processes things so fast. So, I mean, certainly Murray's behind Mayfield, but Mayfield's, he's elite, man. I mean, he's up there. There's not a whole lot of quarterbacks like him. And that's why I think you said on the podcast a couple weeks ago, I mean, by the end of the season, he's a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. He was. I mean, he just was the way he was playing. Mayfield? Bay- yeah, Mayfield. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, comparing him to Kyler Murray, I mean, a lot of all these guys are below Baker Mayfield. It's just the question is how far away is Murray? And, yeah, I mean, all that time he spent with Baker Mayfield had to have helped quite a bit. It's hard to believe that he would be bad to below average on all this stuff like you brought up. That's a good point. And also, just uh, just to touch on the leadership thing, uh, this is a guy who spent three years at OU and sat on the bench for two of them. Was there one negative thing? That came out about Kyler Murray in the three years he spent at Oklahoma. No, like he he was a a model a model citizen. And this is a program where if if there's a guy there who is causing trouble in the locker room, if there's guys who don't respect him, that's information that we would absolutely know. So um, I don't know. I agree. I, I think mm-hmm. just all of the evidence that we have available to us kind of tells us that that Casterly report is is almost certainly some gamemanship by NFL teams, most likely the Oakland Raiders, the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, you know, teams like that. Teams that are trying to get the Cardinals to think twice. And this and this casually stuff came out like, what, 10 seconds after the, the report started coming out that the Cardinals were almost certainly taking Murray number one? There you go. And yeah, so, we haven't touched on that, obviously, at all, because that's, I mean, in the last few days. But yeah, I mean, there's the reports that it's made... Maybe a done deal. I mean, he's the number one pick. God, how Lee? Ugh, how uh, how early do I get to spike the football? What What do you mean? What for saying for like two months ago saying that he's definitely a first round pick and might actually be the number one overall pick? All right, I'm gonna give you a homework assignment. You got to go back and find. I got to go back find and find the podcast. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I don't, do don't want to go back. If you said it, I, I have vague memories of that. But uh, you, you tell me where it is. I'll, I'll locate it. I'll pull the audio and we'll play it. But yeah, I mean, my the, the idea was that if you com- if you if you can get past his height, and if you just look at the tape, he yeah. is by far the best quarterback in this draft. And and this is what Joel Clad actually said on Colin Cowherd's show uh, earlier this week. And if we get past his height, one of the best prospects we've ever seen at the position. And that's something that I agree with. And why is that? It's because of his incredible ability to throw the football from the pocket. It's, be, it's because he pocket. has the skill set of of a typical number one pick throwing the football. Yes, and then you add in his his absolutely absurd athletic ability. Yeah, and I believe Klatt said if he was a running back, he'd be the number one running back on the board or something like to that effect. On, I didn't agree with that, but <laughs> which I mean, he's a small. He'd be a small little scat back, but point taken um so here's here's kind of one of the last things i want to bring up and i was trying to hit at, hit at it earlier i didn't do a very good job i wasn't very precise but in the in the nfl and football so how are you going to win championships this is the thing you want to win championships you want to put your team in the best position to win it all be really really good are you going to do that by 
passing on a guy like Kyler Murray and being like, you know what? Daniel Jones or Drew Locke. Yeah, that's my guy. That guy seems like somebody who's going to come in and, and lead me to a Super Bowl. Or well, in the Cardinals case, it would be like Nick Bosa. Even though I, I would, I'd be taking Quinn and Williams over Bosa all day long. But well, I'm talking. I'm just, just talking me. strictly quarterbacks, though. In ter- and just like pick. Oh, I mean, because like. Well, I mean, we're talking. About, I, I thought we were just talking about oh, like the, the idea pick? of Kyler going oh, number oh, one. Okay, and- sorry. See, I wasn't being. Pre- I wasn't being precise. Again, that's my bad. No, I. In terms of like your number one guy, I mean, and I guess I didn't bring up Dwayne Haskins because he's the, he's the closest guy to Kyler as far as th- arm talent. But even him, I mean, he's. He's a statue in the pocket. He's a, a one-year starter like Kyler. He's a good thrower, but I, and he's, he's more of a project than Kyler. And sure, he could be a, a pretty good player one day. And so I guess there's some arguments with Dwayne Haskins. But aside from that, I mean, why, would you, why wouldn't you take the guy who is showing you all this amazing stuff on film and how electric he is and how many games he's won in his life, which it's relevant. Winning is relevant with people like Kyler Murray because – they win a lot of games because of the way he plays because he's so good because he displays the abilities that a high-level quarterback should display. It's not fluky like the defense is holding the other team to 10 points and he's struggling to complete passes and his kicker is kicking 50-yard field goals like when Tebow was winning with the Broncos that one year. You know, winning matters with Kyler Murray. Anyways, so I guess that's my point. It's like Kyler, there's, there's so much upside with Kyler Murray that – I just don't understand the idea of, nah, I'm not so sure. I'm concerned. I'm worried. It's like, watch the tape. We've been, it's not like a broken record. Watch the tape. So it sounds like you wanted to kind of more talk about the number one pick. And I, okay, sure. Oh, I mean, not really. I just, it was more of okay. me just going on a tangent okay. after bringing up Bosa. But see, I just, I'm um, not as good at, 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 you know, watching these defensive guys. I mean, Bosa is supposed to be really good. Obviously, you saw a lot of Quinn Williams watching tape before the uh, Orange Bowl. Quinn Williams is a freak. I mean, all, they have a lot of defensive – I mean, was, isn't it a couple of Clemson guys in this draft? I mean, two of the best defensive linemen are Clemson players. So, I mean – Yeah, there's uh, – yeah, Cleveland Farrell and um, Dex- Christian Wilkins. Okay, Dexter Lawrence, is he still at Clemson? Or? Dexter Lawrence is in there. I think Dexter Lawrence is, is, is kind of third oh, okay. on the on the pecking order with him. I think I think, I think think Lawrence is the one who's who's considered sort of a, of a fringe first-rounder. Gotcha. Maybe an early second rounder. It's 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 either Lawrence or or Christian Wilkins that are considered that. I'm not sure, um, but yeah. I mean, it'll be. I, I'm I'm. God, the draft is so great. It's so so good. It's <laughs> as we're star for football and yeah. And then, it's just. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's some of the best TV out there. Like, and it's it is. It, it's appointment television viewing. It's it's just so 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 good. I can't wait. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, now that it seems like Kyler's going number one, not a whole lot of drama, and that's great for him. Uh, for me, though, as an NFL fan, I'm, the Bears don't have a first-round pick. So after, after that, you know, I guess the, the fun thing for me will be, like, who decides to be the team that falls for Drew Locke or Daniel Jones or, you know, just these franchises that take these players, and ultimately it's just like, gosh, what a bummer. It's just I got to tell you, with uh... – with with Dwayne Haskins, it's certainly going to come down to which which kind of what kind of coaching staff he has. Um, he's a guy who really reminds me of Jameis Winston, um, and Jameis Winston is a guy I still think can be a really good NFL player in the right circumstances. Um, that's who Dwayne Haskins reminds me of. So think, we'll, we'll see. I think Haskins I mean, if he gets is a little a, more accurate than Winston. I mean, granted, we had more film on Winston. I don't think he completed 
you know, Haskins was up there with Kyler and Tua this past year, like 68, 69% completion percentage. I don't think Jameis Winston probably was up there also, at FSU. Yeah, I think you could also, if you want to, if you want to go by body type and stuff as well too, I think you could probably make a pretty compelling argument that he is similar to to Roethlisberger, maybe coming out of college as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, he's a big so, dude, and that's that's interesting. Um, but yeah, I think uh, Haskins. It's going to be very important what sort of coaching staff that gets him, especially like you said, um, with him only having one year under his belt in college. Yeah, he's he's not going to be a successful quarterback if if Dirk Cutter is his coach for the entirety of his of his career thus far. Well, didn't Dirk Cutter just you know with the Bucks the the Bucks's offense this past year was one of the best offenses like ever or something like that when it comes to yards. <laughs> I mean, he. Had, oh snap, man! They, they probably didn't they like turn it over like every like six snaps or something like that. I know that's ridiculous. Don't. don't I know how much me, of but. it was Cutter and Todd Munkin, who was their offensive coordinator, who is now I believe is he with the Brown? Is he with the Browns now? I think with Baker. I think Todd Munkin's. He got. Didn't he get like hired as a passing game coordinator? No, that that's that was. Hold on. That was Oklahoma State's offensive coordinator at, o- at Ohio yeah, State. Yeah, Todd Munkin. Yeah, um, he's the offensive coordinator now with the Browns. So, you know, Kitchens is the head coach now, and he hired. So, I mean, that's interesting. Todd Munkin's got some ties to this part of the country. You know, his um, – I think I, I think he used to at one point – Yeah, dude, he, he was. He used to coach at Oklahoma the, State, I think. He was the OC at Oklahoma State. Yeah, yeah, that's who I was thinking of. Okay. And his brother is the Army head coach, I believe. So, uh, anyways, I mean, you know, Army—that's a good program. But um, oh yeah, he was only at—he was only at OSU for two years, though. 2011-2012. Yeah, he had been Whedon. That he had been the OC the the Whedon year. Well, he was the passing game almost... coordinator in 02 to 04, so he had been there. So he clearly. Oh, he was there with Les Miles as well. So he had some ties. He had and... some. He had All some right. Josh Fields and Rashawn Woods action going on there. All right, you know, whenever this podcast starts starts uh, talking about Oklahoma State stuff, I suppose we probably ran out of topics for the day so uh grant if you have any other comments i'll open the floor to you now if not we uh, let's let's pack this bad boy up nope hope we just have uh some some juicy info from the first uh first week of spring practice to talk about next week i do not anticipate that whatsoever but we'll see all right so next week i'm thinking i'm thinking it should be a normal a normal release as far as it comes out Wednesday, I am going to the Big 12 basketball tournament in Kansas City, which begins on Wednesday. So I will be driving there like Wednesday morning. But I think that that shouldn't affect the podcast schedule at all. If it does, you like how we, Lee, you like how we, uh, we like attempted last year at this time to get into OU basketball talk because that, that was when the Trey Young stuff was happening. Well, yeah, Trey Young was we a just, thing. We, yeah just haven't even bothered this year no i mean even though they, they probably punched their ticket last night though yeah i mean they just played maybe the best game in in years and beat up kansas which good for them yeah i'm you know yeah this year was uh just just one thought on the basketball team i'm i'm, I'm assuming it's going to be a thought that everyone shares but it was just very disappointing to see them turn into what 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 they were in the non-conference this year which was really one of the more fun OU teams to watch I've ever seen into once they got to Big 12 play one of the worst OU teams to watch I've ever seen it's just crazy how that is how that happened two years in a row okay so, I, I was gonna say yeah because that sounds like last year's team I mean that was same thing okay. happened this year and they've they've definitely done a better job this year of, of recovering and it helps that the Big 12 is is certainly not as strong as it as it was last year um 
But yeah, just a weird thing. It was that was a very very fun team to watch in November and December, and I'm talking about the team this year. And then once they get into Big Twelve play, they just they hit a wall. They sh- were uh, until the last couple weeks were just very very unimpressive. But I don't know. We'll see if they have a run in them. I doubt it, but we'll see. Yeah, like you said, I mean, like it's always fun to watch OU play in the NCAA tournament, and you know they're they're going to likely be a you know a, a nine or a ten you know seed and. It probably have a very small chance of winning a game, but yeah, that's always it's always one of the more fun sporting events of the year, and it's cool to OU plays in it. It'd so. be fun though, like it'd be cool, I think, to be a part of. Like, what if they can win? What if they are like a nine seed, and you know they win in the first round? What if they can pull off like an upset of a one seed? Yeah, it'd be cool to kind of like be on that side of the, you know, I think that'd be really fun. Yeah, yeah, and it'd be. I'm happy that it looks like they're going to make the tournament now. Yeah, I mean that beating Kansas goes a long way. They should be in now, and I'm happy for the couple grad transfers they had miles reynolds and aaron calixty one from maine the other one from pacific because i remember back last summer you know before the season began and those guys were here and you know trey young's gone you know what's his team going to be like everyone kind of thought the team would be bad and i'm one of those people and you know, those guys were like ah, i want to come to oklahoma and they'd never played in the ncaa tournament and that was kind of their goal and uh, you know two three weeks ago it looked like well that, that didn't look like it's going to happen but now it looks like those guys are going to get a chance to play in the tournament so that's pretty neat so Good for them. So good, good for them. And also, um, it just yeah. Once Big Twelve play came around, and and Jamani McNeese hasn't been healthy at all during conference play, which is which has been a massive factor. Um, he was he was their X factor in the non conference. Uh, he was just he was a force down low. Um, and then also uh, something to look forward to the future. Jamal Bienemy is a freaking yeah, he's stud. good, real good player. He is real good. So that's that's something certainly to look forward to. Oh, the last thing that's those are those are all of my thoughts <laughs> the, on Oklahoma. Basketball. The last thing for you, and this is this is about as in depth in basketball that I'll get. But I think this is this is essentially basketball. You, you notice how did you see that stat recently that every time Oklahoma has a higher field goal percentage than their opponent, they win. <laughs> and no you, way, I don't believe you. No, here's the thing though. You think, oh well, of course. Uh, I was looking it up with my coworker Brian at News 9 and I said Brian come on that's I'm sure most teams it's like that no there's there's other like we checked a couple like top 25 teams and it's like multiple games like well they have a higher field goal percentage but they have losses like it apparently it's a it's not like a slam dunk and so we saw it against Kansas we saw it against West Virginia so Oklahoma hey if they just shoot the ball really well Grant they win the game so very hot take let's just very let's hot hope take. the Sooners continue to do that all right, that's it for today. We'll have a lot more spring ball stuff to talk about next week, hopefully. If, if anything, we should have some Alex Grinch stuff or Alex Grinch news or some defensive news that should be somewhat entertaining. Until then, for Grant, I am Lee. This is West of Everest.